Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we have the 2022 Tony Award winner, Art Stapleton, on. We had a long conversation with him talking about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Got those buzzwords in there. Mm. Um, and then just covering this team as a whole this season. Um, and some just fun co- conversations about media in general. Justin, we are... I want to talk a little bit about the next few weeks of our plans, but um, I'm pumped to get down to Mobile before we kick it to this interview. Yeah, I'm really pumped to get down to Mobile, Alabama. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Hi, everybody. Another note that I want to include about the art interview, uh, two clips that I have coming up, like two of my favorite parts, is uh, the players that are competing against each other, like in ping pong or whether it's just locker room kind of competitions. Art talks about that. I always love that, and this is why I really miss beat reporters being in the locker room, is I love hearing... Who are these guys as people? Who are these players as people? So hearing who's competing with each other and what was pretty cool. Um, And also, Art Stapleton talked about this regime, comparing it to some of the past regimes, too, about being honest. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, but we have a very busy upcoming next few weeks, and I'm so pumped to get to the Senior Bowl. Um, I'm basically done with the wide receivers, uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers at the Senior Bowl. So if Joe Shane isn't strictly on this process and this taking players based on them being like 21 years or younger, then we should maybe see a possible Giants future wide receiver at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. I'm, I've been looking at the edge players. I, like, there's a couple of names that are down there that I'm bummed to see. Like Isaiah McGuire out of Mizzou. Like, go watch this game versus Georgia, and you'll kind of fall in love with him. Uh, Keon Jones out of, out of Georgia Tech, who's just like a ball of muscle, which kind of fits the bill of what, They've looked for and you know back in Buffalo with Joe Shane, you know, trying to connect dots there. Because really, the only edge that they've added has been Kayvon Thibodeau, which is like that's not a scheme thing. That's just taking the best player uh, available at the time. So, so really excited to go down there watch O line D line. We have a lot of stuff planned. I guess we we are talking about doing this after the interview. We could talk about Daytona after the interview. Um, so we're going to be down there the entire week, Justin. Yep. We're going to have two regular Talking Giants podcasts. From the uh, then we're gonna live stream daily Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday post practice. From there, we're also gonna just have like Senior Bowl roundups uh, on the JM Football Channel. We got two Senior Bowl player breakdowns coming on the JM Football Channel next week. So make sure to go subscribe to the JM Football. Maybe we could put the link in the description for that, Justin. We will do that. Um, it's gonna it's it's now that we've wind down from the season. It's like okay, this is my favorite week. This is. This is my favorite like trip slash content of the year is the Senior Bowl because you're just learning about new players. You're getting to watch guys live. You're getting to see small school guys go up against you know uh, much better talent. It's I think it's a it's a pretty it's not the most important thing of the process. At the end of the day, it's about what you do on film. But I do think it it can it can help you and it can hurt guys too. Like Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh, man, he was a guy who was fun to watch. Goes down to the Senior Bowl and he didn't look good, you know, and and you know changed my view of him. So very excited for it. I agree. Very excited. Go subscribe to JM Football. Go check out JM Football. There's going to be a lot of Senior Bowl content on that channel. Yeah, yeah. We're going to live stream from from that channel too. 
Uh, Grump from the Just Giants podcast will be down there with us. Robert Smits, who has been on this podcast like three or four times. He covers the Bears. And our friends from, I don't know how much content we're going to do with them, but the Cover One guys who were like our cheat sheet for when the Giants started hiring all Bills personnel and Bills players, uh, those guys will be down there. So We can do uh, some should- social stuff with them and we'll turn it into shorts and reels and stuff like that there you go maybe we'll maybe we will try and go you know hunt out joe shane and brian dable uh in the nightlife too in alabama in the nightlife yeah we can just like joe shane what what karaoke song do you want to come that's a song yeah yeah uh first before we get into this art interview this episode was brought to you by DraftKings. four nfl teams two conference championship games and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57. Wow, it's really 57? New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. That's crazy. That's crazy. I hate to say it, Justin. I think the Eagles can beat the 49ers. I'm going to the Super Bowl, so I do not want to see the Eagles in it. Justin, I took I took a step back and looked at Brock Purdy's stats. He has like MVP stats on a per game rate. Sure. Like if he did if he did what he, like he would be in the MVP conversation, you know, and obviously it's it's Great surroundings, but it's like those. He's putting up MV like in seven games. He has like fourteen touchdowns, two interceptions. He's just maybe maybe Brock Purdy, and he makes some tough throws too. Even though he, he doesn't does. have the greatest arm, you know. And there's he's had some dropped interceptions too, but you know, Purdy, you know. But it's just the Eagles. I worry about them. Um, go Niners. Download yeah, go go Niners. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code World. New customers can bet $5 in any conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code WORLD. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And here's Arch Stapleton. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I'm going to kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, first interview of the offseason, and we had to do it. With an award winner. We did our award show on Tuesday. Now we have an award winner on. Some people thought it was going to be Julian Love. Because we said we said at the last pod that we're going to have an award winner on. And then Julian Love tweets out talking Giants versus the world. But it's none other <laughs> than the 2022. Not sure if you're a good person. But best Giants reporter. Presented by Kadarius Tony Award. Presented by Talking Giants winner. Art Stapleton. Art, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. It's, uh, you know, I didn't prepare a speech. But... I do appreciate the gear and uh, being a some clown. I was going to bring a dollar for you guys. I thought that would be appropriate. But. <laughs> yeah, because I do want a dollar. Like when Kadarius Tony asked that. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I dollar. Would a dollar. Not, not dollar, dollar. But uh, we'll all be watching Kadarius this weekend and uh, living vicariously through his you know, five catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown performance for mm. the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's that's kind of like what he's destined at this point, where it's like he's going to get like a touchdown. It's going to be crazy, and then it's just like not consistent. But um, with the award, it's funny we made the award as a joke, and now it's like it's right. kind of like a real award. Like who's who's the best Giants reporter this year? So, well, let's um, be honest, Bobby and Justin. The the reality is that we could talk all we want 
as a beat, but you know, we're, we're, we have just as much ego as everybody else. So you, it doesn't matter who's giving out the award talking giants, the giants, you know, we saw this week, some one-on-one sports is giving out coach of the years. And all of a sudden the giants are celebrating Brian Dable as the one-on-one coach of the year. Uh, but no, it's appreciated. I mean, look, you guys have a unique relationship with us on the beat and in the media that you're, you are media, but you're not media. You're, you're at camp every day, more than some beat writers and yet you're not beat writers. So it's a, it's a complicated relationship with us, uh, you know, and talking giants. But I do think from my perspective, I respect the hell out of what you guys do. And um, it is appreciative of your, your fan base that crosses over a little bit. So I uh, I am definitely happy that Dan Duggan was ineligible and I have the opportunity to win this award. Uh, it's been a while. I've been shut out. So uh, it's, it's nice to uh, hear from you guys. Was the Duncan card part of the award this year too, Bobby? Yes, and it has a picture of Kadarius Tony on it too. Yes, so it does. What, and it was classic. What, absolutely classic. What's your go-to order at Duncan? Uh, you know what? I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty basic. Uh-huh. So I would go extra large French vanilla coffee, mm. you know, a couple sugars, but now they've all screwed up. They've screwed up the sweetener at Duncan. I'm not happy with the way they kind of, they don't just do French vanilla as it used to be French vanilla coffee. Now they put in French vanilla sweetener. So it goes too sweet, but oh. it's definitely appreciative. And when I opened it up, uh, open up the card that you had sent and I flipped it open and saw Kadarius's picture that made, meant everything. I mean, I, that's one of those cards that you're not going to throw away. You're going to keep and, and have that. Uh, so it was definitely appreciated from you guys. And, you know, I'm definitely part of the talking giants versus the world now. Oh, I love oh, it. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it. let's get into some giants football though. Um, and I'm going to hit you with the heaviest question first. This is the heaviest question you're going to get. Okay. With the franchise tag for running back probably being less than what the average annual value that Saquon Barkley wants and would be reasonable for him, do you think Joe Shane is willing to like Le'Veon Bell this situation where, like, hey, we'll try and figure out a contract, but we are more than happy to just franchise tag him? You know, I, I do think they'll use the franchise tag if they have to, but I, I think let's go back to what the franchise tag is allegedly supposed to represent right it's supposed to be a negotiating tool it's supposed to give you a number that you work off of and for the player and his representatives it's supposed to be a a number where you know you want more than that because you know they can stick you with just that lower number and and just move on from that Uh, i would imagine that had a lot to do with their talkings both saquon and his reps and joe shane in the front office during the bye week Uh, And I do think that Joe Shane will use the franchise tag if he feels it necessary to keep Saquon here. And let's look at Le'Veon Bell situation, which I think is an interesting one. It became very cantankerous and we know what happened with the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. And ultimately it was the end of Le'Veon Bell's career in the NFL. So if anything, I would think Saquon Barkley is wise enough to know where he's been injury wise and now where he is right now it might not be fair to him as a person but i think as a player i think they will use it as a hammer and uh, i think he's got to make the decision knowing how much he's dealt with injury wise do if they offer me a year that's annual value at 14 not at 10 or at 13 and a half 
that extra $3 million you might not get in a year if you go through a full year with the Giants. And look, we all know Saquon's personality and his earning power. I don't know if that's in him right now, considering what he's gone through. I don't know if he's, you know what? I'll see you guys in September. I'm not being a part of this. I don't know. I I think the Giants might test that out of his personality and say, do Saquon, the smiley guy who is involved in a leader and takes so much pride in being a captain, does he really want to go down that route? So, look, I think Joe Shane will do what he has to do to build this team. And I think the long-winded way to answer your heavy question, Bobby, is I do think that they will use the franchise tag if they have to. Uh, if that's the decision they want and they want Saquon here long-term, I think they'll use it and and then they'll have to see if they can get Saquon to get off the franchise tag and give them the short-term deal or extension to keep him here beyond 2023. Yeah, Art, if this is a game of poker, I think Daniel Jones, I think you even tweeted something out like this recently. Daniel Jones is doing a very good job of not showing his hand. And even Joe Shane is just being kind of like even keel. Oh, Jones is going to be back. We're, that's a, definitely a little bit more set. But with Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley's kind of showing his hand maybe a little bit with the comment of, I want to be a giant for life, number one. The number two, the much more telling one of, I'm not looking to reset the market. And then Joe Shane just saying that we weren't even close when we were talking right. contract extensions over the buy. Some of these things, including like with Leo, it's been very strange to hear how open some of the players are. And, you know, even Joe Shane, how open he was to describing the negotiations during the bye week with Saquon. So what's your take? I mean, you talk with Saquon all the time. You guys talk with Saquon all the time. Uh, what's your, what's your take on what, what he said and how he was kind of during that post game presser the Monday after that Eagles loss talking about the extension. I think Saquon is on one hand, you know, being genuine. I mean, that's who he is. You know, he, he, he wants to be Mr. Giant. I mean, he wants to be here. He wants to be in New York. He knows the benefits of being a giant. Uh, he doesn't want to go shop himself around the league. Uh, but as we said, Justin, it works for Joe Shane to talk the way he talks for certain negotiations. Saquon's pulling at the heartstrings of a fan base that what percentage loves Saquon? You know, the kids who are wearing uh, Saquon jerseys and ownership and, you know, all the things that people criticize the Giants for taking him number two overall, there is an underlying benefit to Saquon playing into that. I am the face of the franchise. He doesn't say that, but he is the face of the franchise. I mean, Saquon is the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Giants. You know, there's a lot for him to play into. So I don't think he's doing that intentionally and in saying, I'm going to be disingenuous, but I do think it plays to Saquon. Look, Giants, you're really going to get rid of me over a couple million dollars. You're going to let me go and go to somebody else's team. Who's going to be your face of the franchise? Is it Daniel? We're different people. We're, we, you sell us differently. Um, so I do think that that's part of it. It's funny, Justin, you do mention Leo. I just wanted to mention that, how Joe Shane brought up the comment that Leo made a pay cut. He thanked the media. Yeah, he said it to us in the (laughs) locker room, and I was there. The funny thing is, I do believe that players and fans, we all talk about every year, and you guys know this, the difference between pay cut and restructure is lost. There's a gray area. So personally, 
knowing what I know of Leonard Williams and his representatives and everything and all the negotiations, when he said pay cut, he meant restructure. Yeah. He meant I will restructure my contract to lower the cap hit, but I'm not going to go from making 19 million to now all of a sudden I'm taking 10. Yeah. I, I don't believe that was the case. And I think Joe Shane knows that. And that's kind of why he put it out there a little bit, uh, knowing that, you know, Leonard Williams in that situation, do you create a little bit of a public uh, situation where, you know, well, you said you were going to take a pay cut. I, I don't think he meant pay cut. I think he meant restructure. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but Joe didn't miss a, an opportunity to bring that up in his in his postseason press conference. Yeah. And it's funny how like Leonard Williams specifically like has gotten. I mean, he they have worked that partly because Dave Gettleman put the Giants in a bad situation by trading midseason for an expired contract. But they have, I mean, they've they've raked the Giants for every penny they can get. <laughs> um, but with Leonard Williams, I know people see like the ten. $10 million of cap space if they cut him. There's also $20 million dead cap. Like, I would be shocked if Leonard Williams is not part of this team, and he should be a part of this team. Like, it'd be a huge loss to lose him, uh, and you'd have to – and I just don't – I don't think there's anything there. Like, I'd rather extend him than than lose him, like you said. Right. So Totally agree, and I'm sure, you know, if we get into what the biggest weaknesses are for this team, an underlying spot is that interior defensive line. Absolutely, that- yep. Um, you know, they, they overextended and you can almost make an argument that that's how Leonard Williams, uh, not, not got hurt, but was all banged up this year because the, you cannot play Dexter Lawrence that many snaps moving forward and expect him to be as productive. And I do think there was a dip a couple weeks, you know, midway through the season where Dex, it was really wearing on him. Uh, so I do think interior defensive line is a place where they need to, uh, fix and add depth and, um, I do think that that Leonard Williams is a part of that. Uh, I don't think they want to break up Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams this soon, especially when you're going to have potentially a lot of changes elsewhere yeah. on the roster. Yeah, I, I certainly don't want to either. Now, Art, one of the things that I'm most excited, you know, when I'm, when talking with you know people on the beat, guys on the beat, every pe- people on the beat this year is. You're back in the locker room, which uh, I I love that. You're you're back building those relationships. You're back talking with the players. You're back with kind of your connections, or you're building your connections now, now that this is a new regime, right? So we know that the last few coaching staff, stemming back to McAdoo, that we felt, we have felt generally positive about that coach after year one. Generally Mm -hmm. positive. Now, obviously, this may be, and I'm hoping this is a different enthusiasm. So, but what... How has what you have seen this year in the locker room and inside the building differ from past years you have covered, or is it similar? Is there a different energy? Is there a different way of going about things from an front office and coaching perspective? It is, you know, and I think when you and I, when me and, and you guys were sitting in the parking lot at a training camp, I think that was one of the questions you asked back then, Justin, oh, yeah. the idea of getting back in the locker room. What was that going to be like? So it's interesting to come full circle. Uh, it's a big difference and you get a feel for how this team works. Um, the ping pong tables, you know, that's the whole, you know, oh, they lose and you got to get the ping pong tables out. If they're winning, it's great camaraderie and the com- competition between them. Wait, you or know, not to interrupt you, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did I hear Monday? Now, I'm, I'm surprised more people maybe didn't hear this because I p- think people would have lost their minds. Monday, after the Eagle loss and the season's over, did I hear – Clink, clink, clink. Did I hear ping pongs going on like while interviews were happening? 
Yes, it was actually the there were a lot of uh, rookies that were there. Um, you know, Jay Sean Corbin was playing, Khalil Pimpleton, uh, some of the practice squad linemen. Uh, I don't think Corey Cunningham was playing on Monday, uh, but yeah, guys didn't want to leave the locker room too, and that mm. was the other thing. Like in past, you know, baggy day or pack up day, guys are looking to leave, and they they weren't looking to sprint out of there. I think there were some guys who felt as though. You know, they still were going to have a game to play this week. Um, but to answer your question, I've been thinking a lot about this, and this is really a big theme for me moving into this offseason. Ben McAdoo, there was a lot of positivity after his first season. Went to the playoffs. We knew what team had coming back. They made a lot of mistakes building that team. They just basically took the 2016 team and said, what holes do we need to fill? Oh, we really are getting beat by cover two. We need a, a tight end that could bust the seam. We're drafting Evan Ingram and he's going to solve all of our offensive problems. Well, guess what? 2017, the team imploded and those problems were never solved. So I look at that and I compare to this season. I don't think, it's going to be a, hey, what didn't work this year, so let's just supplement things. I think Shane and Dable will take their depth chart, put it to the side, and say, how are we building it going forward? Not worrying about what didn't work and what worked this year. Obviously, you know what worked and what didn't work. But Joe Shane's been pretty honest. He said during the bye week, pointing out that they were down 10 points in London against the Packers, they were down to the Ravens. They've kept this honest approach. And what you didn't hear Monday was two guys talking about how they led the NFC East in points. The Giants for too many years through McAdoo, through Shermer, and even through Judge to an extent, they looked for reasons to believe and they had to come up with these stats or something that would make you think they were further along than what they were. Mm. And I think that the best thing that this front office and head coaching staff can do is be honest with themselves. We watch this team. We know their shortcomings. We know a lot of this stuff. It wasn't smoke and mirrors, but a lot of the stuff that they did, they made key plays and key spots and overcame the deficiency, right? So when I'm in that locker room on Monday, I'm walking around and you know, you see guys and they're into it and they're talking about coming back. But the reality hits that there are a lot of guys who might not be here next year. So you have to go back to what they've built and what the plan was to get these guys on the field. And, you know, it's, it's about the rookie class that a lot of the guys finished up on the IR and, and injured and, you know, one of the things I loved down the stretch was seeing Cordell Flott go toe-to-toe with A.J. Brown in Week 18. That is something, if I'm Joe Shane, I'm looking at it going, boy, we might have a guy who can challenge for significant snaps at, if not CB2, maybe CB3 next year. Yeah. You know, So that kind of thing. But I, I appreciate your answer about the locker room, Justin. That, and from our perspective, it's been it was tremendous. I mean, you get to know guys in this locker room beyond where they were. Um, Graham Gano was really more of a leader, more of a personality in this locker room than I ever would have imagined. Yeah. I mean, Graham Gano and Leonard Williams, very tight. You can see them playing ping pong all the time. They had a little post-it note up on the lockers. It said, I think it said Graham and Leo and had just check marks 
for how many games they would win, you know, that kind of thing. Davis Webb and Saquon Barkley battles. Like if I could video, if I could have videoed one of the days where Davis Webb and Saquon Barkley were competing against each other in ping pong, I would have been able to sell it to so many people. You know, you guys would have looked to sponsor it. It was unbelievable. Not a bad idea. Um, so, you know, of course we couldn't video it, but that that's where it is. So I know it's again, another long open-ended answer, but I think to me, the big thing is when they say next year is a new team, it really is a new team and they've got to work as hard as they did this year, maybe even harder to develop that camaraderie, develop the chemistry, plug the holes on the roster and, and know that it's not going to just be a continuation because we've all seen it doesn't continue. And when you think it's going to continue, you get into trouble. You know, you, you brought us up sponsoring ping pong. We actually talked with some player reps in the off season about content ideas. And one of the things we talked about was like interviews during ping pong. So maybe we can, now that ping pong's totally back in, we can do that. Mm. But like, I like the point you made about them not like giving themselves reasons to believe. And they were one of the last eight teams in the NFL, right? So, but I think they have a good realization that, hey, we are not one off season away from being one of the last four teams. Obviously it's the NFL. Anything can happen. You make, you know, some of the right moves. But I think they know that like, hey, we're not going to approach this off season as, Sign a linebacker, trade for a receiver, make two good draft picks um, at corner and O line, and we're ready to be one of the last four. I think they still know. Like this was this was awesome, but it is year one, and this is about building a long term contender, not you know, like you said, plugging and plugging up holes and and making a run at it. Absolutely, and I think you know, just look at guys who they signed for one year deals. I mean, you know, I know the fans were split about John Feliciano at center, and especially when Gates came back. You know, Nick Gates, we all love Nick Gates. So everybody wanted Nick Gates at center, or a lot of people wanted Nick Gates at center. They didn't make that move. They kept him at left guard. Um, you know, you got a serviceable year from Feliciano at center, right? Nothing, it wasn't outrageously good, but it certainly wasn't as outrageously bad as, you know, some of the perception was on social media. Now, Bobby, I'll defer to you. You obviously do your line breakdowns. You want to know what's frustrating, but also not frustrating is once Gates came back, Feliciano's play went up. Like he, like that was the best. So it was like, it's like, if we got the same play out of Feliciano, the first eight games of the season, while Gates was back, it would have been like rioting, but it's like his play actually increased. And once Gates came back, you know, and I did, I did talk to Feliciano about it late in the year. And he said, um, he had told me, which we really hadn't made a big deal about it. He had, he had lost his nephew in week one. I don't know if you guys remember that story. So he said emotionally it was a real, real big impact. And then uh, he was banged up early on. So, you know, maybe look, I'm not saying that Feliciano is the answer. I guess my point is, is that you bring, I think back to, and I don't know, Justin, you may, may have been like, you know, seven years old when it happened, but not really. Um, remember when Stevie Brown was a big part of this secondary Stevie Brown came in, he was a journeyman. He came in, led the team in interceptions. It was he and intro role and had such a great year. And the team didn't distinguish themselves to the point where I don't even remember what year it was at this point. It was somewhere after, after Super Bowl uh, 46, I think it was like either 13 or 14, something like that. And they brought Stevie Brown back and it was like, all right, now we've got one of the best safety duos in the league. And Stevie Brown got, got off to a eh, okay start. And then he tore his ACL, if I remember correctly. And he was gone. And it was like, 
okay, did we expect too much of Stevie Brown? Like he, he had a great year, but that's where I think teams, when you're, when you don't have a foundation built and you don't build through the draft and you're just picking guys to try to fill holes, I think this team will get in trouble if they all of a sudden say, well, we're good at center because John Feliciano had a pretty good, you know, a good finish to the season. You know, let's go back to Bredesen and Gates and that rotation at left guard and Glowinski is back. No, they need to look at this offensive line and say you have dominance at left tackle. You've got a second-year promising rookie who had his share of struggles this year. We all know what Evan Neal went through. But those three spots, it's all up for grabs. Get better. Get a better line. And don't fall into the trap that other teams in your – history have fallen into and say, Oh, we're good enough. Don't be good enough. Get better. And I think that's really a big issue going forward for this team. I don't want to spend too much time on this, on this next part. And I don't even want to talk about contract, but it seems like Daniel Jones is going to be back. Right. And and like I said, I don't feel like talking about contract, but how did he evolve in their eyes from a guy that they didn't plan to like have back? You know, like people, we like when we were at training camp, like there was people who like told us, like, probably not going to be back here. They declined his option. Like, how did that evolve besides just winning games? Because we know there is a history of the Buffalo Bills making the playoffs and them still moving off a guy like Tyrock Taylor, even though Jones played much, I think, better than Tyrock Taylor. Right. Well, I think, I think, you, you know, you obviously, the initial references for the fifth year option. And we wouldn't be talking about this. If they believed in Daniel Jones back in March, they would have picked up or in May, they would have picked up the fifth year option and Daniel Jones would be locked in for next year at $30 million or so. Um, I I think that what Jones did is evolve uh, with this system. I think he's learned, especially with Shea Tierney this year, a big point of emphasis was making plays out of the pocket and I think yeah. one of the things that we saw from Daniel Jones the last couple of years is that when he got it out of the pocket, if that first read wasn't there, he was gone. He's run, He was running and scrambling. And it was really haphazard because there really was nothing schematically that was done when he broke the pocket. I think this year they made a lot of strides in that. Jones showed. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was the beginning of last season or even the year before when Garrett was the O.C., there was a play, I think it was in the preseason early on. Daniel, they were down in the red zone. Daniel broke to his right, broke out of the pocket, threw on the run, and threw about 10 yards wide of Evan Ingram in the end zone. That was the, the Patriots play- preseason game. Thank you, Bobby. See, yeah. and that's I remember that play, and I've thought about that play all year. Like To think that Daniel has gone what was a weakness. And I think people said at that point, and we had every reason to believe it was a weakness. Daniel couldn't make plays on, on the run. And that was a huge factor in his presence as a quarterback or lack thereof. And I think this year, that was a huge stride that they made. Another part of why, why Daniel Jones is the guy for them right now, they played their way out of contention for someone to replace him. Yeah, really did. They, they played their way. They're sitting at 25th. I don't know how deep they're going to dig into, you know, the quarterbacks in the draft now, but they know they're out of the range of, of all the names that we've all talked about, you know, and, and at that point, if you're really going to wait until 
the end of April before you solve your quarterback situation. I, I just don't think, I think they're smart enough to know um, they would love to get in my mind, a short-term contract for Daniel mm-hmm. you get three years. I don't know, three years, 95 million, three years. Do you have to go up to a hundred million? I, I don't know, but it, then it comes down to the guarantees. I, I think that would be the perfect deal to make with him because you don't want to lock in five years. And then if you just crash and burn, then you're stuck on a quarterback that maybe not everybody believed in. Um, but that, that to me, I think it's, it's twofold, Bobby. I think he grew with this system, with these coaches, he made plays, but I think also they kind of played their way out of contention. That would have been that opportunity to say, well, we're not going to spend $35 million a year on Daniel Jones when we can just draft CJ Stroud, uh, you know, and, and plug him in because we're a top 10 team and we can, we can just trade up to, to two or three and get that guy. Yeah. And one of the things that I like about having, I think the Giants are going to have this flexibility, even if like people are going to freak out over the average annual value of Daniel Jones, kind of no matter what it is. But if it's like one of those deals where it's a three-year deal, then you can still, if the Giants have this desire to draft a quarterback, you can still do that and have Daniel Jones on the roster. I mean, it, there, there have been teams that have done that, done that before, 100%. Um, I want to move to Mike Kafka because there's a shot. Now, if I, I think if Mike Kafka were smart, maybe he wouldn't take that Texans job. But uh, <laughs> but Mike Kafka could always leave, right? It's a possibility. So if he were to go, would you see Dable promoting Shea Tierney? Would Mike Rowe be somebody that's promoted? Or even would Dable look to the outside? Or even Davis Webb's the wild card in, <laughs> in here too. Maybe not for OC, but kind of being involved in this coaching staff if Dable wants. What's your perception on that? Yeah, I think if you're going inside, I, I think he would go uh, Shea Tierney as offensive coordinator. Maybe Dable gets back into calling some of the plays uh, more than he did with Kafka. Uh, and then, you know, maybe Davis Webb would be hired as as quarterbacks coach to, to back up Tierney and they keep that, that together. But I can only go by what they showed us this year, right? And what they showed us last offseason. And Brian Dable did not have any fears or concerns about going outside the organization and doing the interview process and bringing in guys that he liked things that he knew about. Maybe somebody gets recommended to him and he interviews them. Um, So as much as I would think that if he goes inside, he takes tyranny. That's not, I don't mean this in disrespect. That's a Joe judge move. That's not a Brian Dable move from what they've shown us as head coaches, right? Joe needed to have, people on his staff that he knew he worked with, he trusted, he didn't think guys were going to go behind his back. I mean, there was a lot of that there. And then some of that comes from new England. Brian Dable didn't operate that way. Brian Dable went out and hired a a defensive coordinator and Wink Martindale, who's got the biggest personality on the coaching staff, even Dable included. And he had made no bones about wanting a head coaching job in the future. So you know, Dable could have looked at it and said, I'm not bringing that in here. Like, I, I don't need that my first year. So I think Dable would probably uh, go outside, talk to other guys. I think Tierney would be involved. And then they would try to come up with a game plan, you know, moving forward. But um, look, I I have a ton of respect for Shea Tierney. I know people outside of the building don't really know him that well. But if you go back and read things that Josh Allen said about yeah. Shea Tierney, during Josh Allen's 
ascension and his maturation and development. Not when Shea Tierney was leaving for the Giants. That's easy, right? You go to remember when Ben McAdoo came here, everybody runs to Aaron Rodgers. Tell us about Ben McAdoo. And Aaron Rodgers is just glowing with praise. Oh, he's great. He's this, he's that. No, I want to know when they're working together in October of a year that Shea Tierney is going to be there long term. What is that quarterback saying about Shea Tierney? So I think yeah, I think Allen called him the most underpaid player like person in the building yes, or something like that. That was something that I saw too. Uh, you know, and Shea was with Dable when they were in Alabama as well. So it, it's somebody who sees the game the same way. Uh, you know, again, I don't know if he's ready for, to be an offensive coordinator. They may love him as quarterbacks coach and say, you have value here with our quarterback. We need you here. Um, but it's certainly if, if he goes in-house, I would think that is a uh, a possibility as far as a, a, an offensive coordinator if Kafka goes. But I, I don't think Kafka is getting that job, Justin. I agree with you. You have to address it because he went in for a second meeting. So, um, but I think Kafka will be back for this year. And if not, then they'll just figure it out. I mean, and and I think you have to have faith that the way Dable constructed this coaching staff this year um, gives you faith that he's not just doing it to bring his buddies in, or he can't get someone to come and coach with him. I mean, clearly, you know, you have big names who could have gone elsewhere yet decided they wanted to coach with Brian Dable. I think that says a lot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they kind of put together an all-star assistant. Like, Alan J. Patterson is like one, is maybe the most respected D-line coach in the NFL, and we we saw fruits of that this year. Um, you know, and this time last year, Brian Dable was hired on the on fr- the Friday that this is coming out. Patrick Graham was supposed to be his defensive coordinator. He gets rubbed the wrong way. Josh McDaniel gets the head coaching job. He's gone, and they were able to get Wink Martindale, who was, you know, one of the more most respected defensive coordinators yep. in the league. Um, want to got a few more questions maybe we could do some quick hitters this one i'm asking just because i am like I, I love to hear everybody's answer and we do our awards at the end of the year for this award 25 different people got votes who is the most underrated player on this giants team and that could be from a league-wide view or a giants fan view that is a great question um hmm. the <laughs> The first person that jumped into my mind was Julian Love. He won it by the listeners. Okay. Julian Lassie, Tony Award winner, listeners. I, I match up. <laughs> uh, we're on the same page. But <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, look, Ju- the problem problem when assessing Julian is that Julian is so good. He's on the radio. He's great with us. He, he earns our the media. The good guy good award. Guy. Right, exactly. Um, you know, so I think maybe overlook the idea that he was set up to have an even better season before Xavier McKinney got hurt. And then he had to move into the Xavier McKinney role. Uh, So I think that's kind of overlooked. If he played the role that they initially had him playing early on when he made, look, he made two of the biggest plays in early part of the season. You know, it's people forget because of the way Carolina ended up, but you know, sat that sack of Baker Mayfield was yeah. huge in week two. Yeah, that Who Panthers game if, was probably his best game of the year. He played yeah, really well that game. And then, you know, he had the pick against Baltimore when they were in coverage against the, another tight end they couldn't stop and Mark Andrews and they make the decision. So I'd say I'd say Julian Love was was one and because of fit in this offense, I'm gonna say Daniel Bellinger. And I know he's a rookie, and I know there's a lot to grow and a lot to develop. But you could see that before he got hurt in Jacksonville, 
they had gotten to the point where they were going to unleash Daniel Bellinger. And that sounds silly. He's a rookie. Come on, you're buying in. You're buying in. I know you guys like him. I think Bellinger's presence in this offense going into that Jacksonville game was huge. I mean, they, they were they were running with him, being key parts of the run game. They had him. Now, all of a sudden, he's becoming a big part of the red zone. Uh, and he continued to make plays down the stretch once he came back from his injury. But I think he's an underappreciated player on this roster that moving forward, um, they put a lot of time into the development of Bellinger this year as a coaching staff. And I think that'll continue. And I think he's one of those guys that, um, you know, next year you're looking at this offense. And I think maybe people around the league start seeing him, you know, in the lines of, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there when, when Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard were together, what Goddard was allowed Ertz to, you know, they, they got rid of Ertz because they saw Goddard coming into his own. I could see Bellinger really kind of developing into a player like a Dallas Goddard where early on he was, you know, made some plays, but then once this kind of got going, he's a big reason in this offense. And you're going to look at him and say, boy, we may have a wide receiver one. We may, if we have Saquon back, Bellinger is top of the list in terms of those weapons that that they're going to have for this offense. Funny, funny story about Dallas Goddard, but we could save that for another time. Mm. Um, But yeah, Bellinger, I I, I totally agree with the Bellinger thing. And it's funny because Ingram had his best volume numbers this year, but it wasn't like anywhere. I I don't get triggered by much. I got triggered by like, man, Giants fans were missing. I was like, he's averaging like his fourth most yards per game. He just stayed healthy and he's in a good... I didn't miss Evan Ingram at all, like because Bellinger was very underrated, and we needed a presence of a guy who can kind of do it all at the spot. And he can block. And just he's yeah, blocking is so huge, and he's very underrated the way he you catches the ball. Like he will high point that he will snag that ball out of the air. You think the Packers touched? Uh, was it? No, I think it might have been the touchdown versus the Ravens. Like that was a great catch. The catch versus Patrick Peterson. Um, you know, in the game they ended up losing on the two point conversion. Two like point he three. is a technician with the way he catches the ball. Yep. And I, I definitely think he, he is he is on he is underrated. I think he finished fourth by the listeners. So mm. yeah, Bell- who are the Bellinger. other two? You remember who the other two was in between them? See, uh, here's where I get triggered with the most underrated is Isaiah Hodgins would finish second. I'm like, I think Hodgins is very like he he might even tip into that overrated, overrated because it's, he's right. new and shiny. Right. And then Graham Gano tied for second. And I guess you can make the case for Gano. But I don't think he's underrated. I think it's just we don't talk about kickers much because they're kickers. So, like right. I, I'm very appreciative of all those guys. But 25 yeah. people got votes. I think Andrew Thomas got one, which was <laughs> it's like we we don't underrate him. Maybe the well, league well, did, but well, you guys not. don't. I think the league might. Uh, yeah. I think there might be some Giants fans too. Hey, we got him awards now. It worked. He got all pro. We got even him, though. Right. I, and the the sad thing is, is once Trent Williams came back and was healthy. I kind of had him third behind Williams and Tunsil, but I'm not. I'm not oh, complaining. No. I'm not complaining one bit. Oh no! Um, our <laughs> favorite player to talk with, or that you have talked with on your podcast. Oh, that that's a good one. Um, I mean, this year the best show, even though it was week one, was or was Saquon and and Shep together because I really mm. didn't have to do much talking. They they basically went back and forth at each other. That was brilliant, you know, them going back and forth. Graham Gano, I enjoyed uh, this year. Nick Gates was great. Um, let's see. Who else? Darius Slayton. I told Slayton after the podcast that he was, um, 
you know, he can join the media now. Like that, that's how good he is. Just <laughs> He's in funny. terms of, answering. he was my vote for most underrated. Anyways, yeah. and he, he he was. I mean, look, he, he he contributed a lot more than I expected this year. Uh, and that's a credit to him to be able to deal with what he did with dealt with. Um, Isaiah Hodges was good too on the podcast. Hodges is I a media darling at, in the works. I, I he, might, him, he might be a good guy award nominee yeah, next year. Yeah. I He's, had him the week after he scored his first touchdown. And uh, so I really got to tell his story a little bit on the podcast before it kind of blew up after that. Um, you know, look, I, I love the Nick Gates podcast. I know how much you guys love Nick. Um, I just think his story this year, talk about, underrated or underplayed or underappreciated. I mean, if he played any other position, the entire league would be talking about Nick Gates right now. And I, you know, I don't mean to diminish Saquon or Christian McCaffrey or, you know, I have a lot of people telling me, you know, Brandon Graham and Philly. Yeah, of course, you know, Achilles injury at 34, come back for double digit sacks. It's, It's amazing. But considering Gates, I would have to say Gates, uh, just based on, can dip back into his career and see how far he's come and what he's overcome this year. Um, so appreciate the uh, the question, Justin. It makes me think of all the good interviews we were able to get this year. But that that was definitely Gano and Gates were probably the two most enjoyable. Just turn on the microphone and just sit there and and let him talk, and it was great. Gano Gano is a two time guy to come on and and he's a lot his knowledge is a lot deeper than i think you would consider for a you know kicker kind of thing he he delved in a lot and i thought that was great let's see we've we've went for a while so we won't take you too much longer um How here we'll finish off this how refreshing was it to cover a winning season because i know personally at halftime of week one I am like hand in my head, like, or head in my hand, not hand in my head. It could actually probably both. And I'm like, I can't do another year of this. And I've only been doing this is only my fourth year doing it. You know, third year full time. I was like, I can't do another year of this. This is this is going to be horrible. So how refreshing was it to be able to cover a winning Giants? I'll bring team? you back a couple weeks earlier than that when Thibodeau got hurt. After that game, I said to a couple people on the beat, like, what have we done to deserve this? Like you have just let's let's think back to the summer. I don't mean we as giants, I mean we as covering the team. When you looked at everything that was going on, there was that one player who you were really excited to cover because you didn't know how far it would blow up. Could it get to Odell in 2014 levels, right? You didn't know. He had that personality where he comes out in week one and gets three sacks, and all of a sudden you talk about Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Um, when he got hurt, I thought to myself, this is going to be another, another one of those years. Like, here we go. They're not going to succeed. It's going to be very hard to make relationships because it's, you know, they're losing and the guys who are here are, are, you know, they're not going to look to develop new relationships. Um, so in that respect, it, it was enjoyable to be able to cover a team that was compelling. Um, I do feel for the guys who have been here and lost and now have the opportunity to win, um, you know, Daniel Jones and Saquon and Darius Slayton, a guy like Julian love. I mean, guys who have seen the lowest of the low here, you know, and you know, if you want to throw Andrew, you know, but Andrew Thomas was only here, you know, a couple of years. So it wasn't like he had dealt with it. Um, so 
that was rewarding. I think when it comes down to the coaching staff, I think it was kind of cool to see guys talk about what they were going to do and then actually on a weekly basis go out there and actually do it. Mm. You know, and schematically, we're going to do this. We're going to – how many times have in the past we've heard, oh, we're going to create a different game plan every week, and then the Giants would go out and just run the same game plan that they ran the previous week. This year, it was rewarding to hear guys say – you know, look, we're, we're going to attack different defenses differently or we're going to defend teams differently week to week. And not only did we see that from weeks one to 18 and in the playoffs, but you actually saw it in rematches live and in color. You saw how differently they played Washington the week in, in MetLife yeah. where, you know, Payne and Allen just dominated. I mean, and Nick Gates and John Feliciano and Glowinski all said, you know, you know, they're just, they, they're stronger than us. You know what I mean? They're, we've got to beat them differently. And when you hear guys say they're physically better than you, you don't think they're you're going to be able to win the matchup the second time. And then they come out the second time and shut those guys down. And that last drive where Saquon was just, you know, chunk play after chunk play on the ground. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is the most rewarding thing about this team. And, um, I actually got to fly to the playoff game this year. In 2016, we had a drive to Milwaukee and then to Green Bay. Oh man, that's because uh, we all got we were all at LaGuardia and we had our flight canceled. So it's nice to get back in the playoffs and actually book a flight and actually fly to the game instead of having to drive. But um, you know, it's it's definitely more rewarding to deal with. And I, I made this comment. I don't know if you guys feel this way. Cause obviously you're, you're fans first and, and then you're in the media, but you know, the giants fans deserve this, but also there's a segment of the fan base who we talk about players needing to learn how to win again. Giants fans need to learn how to win again. And this was a team that you could embrace, you know, because you didn't, they weren't telling you how they were going to win Super Bowls. They weren't talking about it. I went back and watched the introductory press conference of the last four head coaches. Three of them mentioned the Super Bowl. Brian Dable did not. Hmm. He didn't talk about Super Bowls, right? He talked about winning, winning championships, but that wasn't the focus this year. And I think fans kind of enjoyed that fact that you didn't have Dave Gettleman walking in saying that, he was going to do what he was going to do and he was going to do it. And, and everybody, oh, rah, rah, yeah, that's great. And then three weeks later, you realize, well, saying it and doing it is two different things. So to me, that's the most rewarding thing about covering a winning team again is that they just felt like they belonged. Like they really did. They felt like they belonged. They weren't doing anything fancy. They were still building. They kept it realistic. Shane didn't compromise the, f- the future for fool's gold. He didn't look and say, I got to throw a second round pick for Chase Claypool because everybody says I need a wide receiver. All they did was go and get a guy they knew. And Isaiah Hodgins, I think, quadrupled Chase Pool's numbers. And you didn't lose uh, Claypool. And you didn't lose the second round pick that's actually a first round pick because the Dolphins lost their first rounder. So that's what I would say, Bobby. I, I think just from a coverage perspective, a respect, the enjoyment you know, we don't root we root for stories you know but every other year i've covered a coaching search in the last you know since tom coffin left yeah. i mean so 
for all the talk, like to me, that's this off season. That's what this is about. Like I'm, I'm hesitant to start throwing bouquets because I've been here before Mm. I've been here. I've seen year one, you give them credit. Maybe they're moving forward. You hear things you say, okay, year two, it'll never turn out. I would have never anticipated Joe Joe's getting fired last year, even down the stretch, everything that told me inside the building, he was going to be here. So the idea that that's happened, the way McAdoo just kind of imploded in that second year, uh, Shermer, I felt like it was a little bit more of a short-term thing. They wanted to restore order, and then they were going to replace Shermer regardless. Um, but I don't think he expected his the GM who hired him to go and try and push save him his under job. The bus. And, That's exactly and, what he did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gettleman stole two more years by pushing Pat Shermer under the bus, which was unfair. And some of us have said it at the time. Um, you know, if you were going to keep Gettleman, you should keep Shermer. And if you were going to get rid of Shermer, you should get rid of Gettleman. Gettleman. Um, yeah. And I, I think it just put the Giants in a further hole. But yeah, it was enjoyable. Look, it was great. I, I mean, what it says to me that I was in Philly last week and I thought Philly was going to win. I, I think there, you know, we, you can't talk about a team that has the quote unquote best roster, roster in the NFL. And then all of a sudden think, you know, get lost in the idea and, oh, the Giants are going to completely, you know, dominate them at the link, a place they haven't won, you know, since Josh Brown was the kicker and Peyton Hillis was the leading rusher. Um, But I actually thought they might. We had a look ahead and book book hotels that maybe they'd be going to San Francisco or Dallas. That, to me, says a lot about where this team was uh, and where they could potentially go, uh, you know, down the stretch and, and heading into this next season and beyond. Art, we appreciate you as always. Uh, where where can people find all 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 of your work? Well, Justin mentioned the podcast earlier. Uh, all in with Art Stapleton. You can find it everywhere: uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Omni, anywhere you you want podcast. Uh, make sure you look below Talking Giants, and I'll, I'll be there somewhere somewhere after that. Um, and then everything on NorthJersey.com, all of my coverage, and you know. We, uh, we appreciate a good year and obviously move forward now and see how the offseason takes shape. But uh, also Twitter, art, uh, at art underscore Stapleton is uh, where, you know, people find me there and I probably spend too much time on there. Uh, yeah, we, we all do. do. It is what it is. So, <laughs> but uh, listen, I always appreciate you guys. And again, thanks for this, for the Talking Giants listeners and for you guys and, and this, if I could even show the shirt, who would have thought beautiful. we were going to end this That's season beautiful. without Kadarius Tony here, right? I know, I know. It was there was so much that first day of camp, man, was like, oh, oh my god, gosh, this catch. guy's ready to be a oh, star. We were all we were all ready. Oh, Kadarius, Kadarius, <laughs> Kadarius, but couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks again, Art. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast, play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, thank you to Art Stapleton for coming on the show. That was actually a very, very fun interview with Art. Um, I really liked, you know, we were having some pre-show conversations, so he might have even said it on the show too, that, you know, we're we're part of media, but we're not, but we're not in the media. So I kind of like how there's like this, you know, there's this recognition with a lot of the beat reporters about, you know, what we're doing at Talking Giants. And obviously we thank the beat reporters and we thank, you know, especially their perspective from, from the locker room too. So thank you to Art. 
Uh, we got to talk about Manscaped. Breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Copyright Pro Kit. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to Manscaped.com and using code GIANTS for 20% off plus free shipping. There's a beard shampoo and conditioner. There's a beard oil. There's a beard balm. There's some nice brushes in there. Really, really awesome stuff from Manscaped. Just when you thought that they couldn't take care of you anymore down below with the drapes and your carpet, now they got you above on your face as well. I actually gave, so they sent me, Manscaped nicely sent me one of their kits. They sent me the beard, the beard hedger pro kit. I actually, I don't really have much of a beard. So I sent it, gave it to one of my best friends as a gift. And he says that he absolutely loves it. We're going to Atlantic city this weekend. He says he's bringing it and he's going to make sure that he looks good on the, on the craps tables. I am also not a beard guy. So I'm giving it to my friend Moncho. So congratulations, Moncho. You don't know that you're getting it yet, but I'm bringing it on Saturday. So get 20% off. And free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GIANTS. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did with DraftKings, too. Forgot to say that. Um, all right, so we talked about Senior Bowl. Before we close out, Justin, we are going to Daytona with it's me, you, and then Jack and Zoe from the We Got Ice guys, who yep. I don't know how familiar our audience with them, but we're going to be down there. I think it's going to be good, a little, little good, a bit of yin and yang, uh, like approach to it. Yep. So we're going to do a lot of stuff down there. We would like to do a Talking Giants live show, like we did in Charlotte. Um, but we kind of got to get set up and figure out the right day to do it. I think we're going to be there from Thursday to Sunday, right? I Justin? honestly think Friday would be the best day to do it. The Friday, the truck race, it's the, it's, it's a day that's worth coming to since there is a race that the race will be cheap to get into. I think it still works as general admission. Don't hold me to that. I don't know it how Daytona works. So it is, it, you, know, you, you go every year. Um, so general admission, we're going to do it on Friday. I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to have anything to do like contractually for the truck race NASCAR wise. So I think we should just plan to do it on Friday. Could we do it in the actual like stands? Um, that is something that we can ask. And I guess we would just have to get clearance and then however many people come, they would have to get cleared to we'll go just in. Get tic- just get tickets for the, the race. Well, we will play it by ear, but know that Friday will be the day that we'll record our Talking Giants show. Okay. Because it's like, you know, we'll, people will be on work during the day. It's it's tough. Um, people right, did it so in Charlotte. That's true. But we planned that out well in advance. A couple weeks. And we, and we basically had like 10 people who were like close yeah. with her like, yeah, we're going to come. Yeah. Also, let me know if you're going to the Super Bowl too. I'm, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Congrats to you, man. Thank you. Um, with Joe's McFly. Congrats to Joe's McFly too. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back. Oh, and I got—I wanted to read this letter. I got this Please. letter. I, I showed up to my office this morning and checked the mail, and I got a letter. And it was addressed to Bobby Skinner. So most of my mail I get here is Robert Skinner. I was like, oh, someone sent me a letter. Dear Talking Giants podcast, I am writing you to tell you that Daniel Jones is not a bad quarterback. Mm. Danny Dimes has been hated on basically his whole career, and to be honest, deservedly so. 
To start off in the 2019 draft, he was taken with a six overall pick, which was definitely considered a reach. This is, he was this drafted is what over this letter is going like, to be? Guys like Josh Allen, the defensive Josh Allen, Rashawn Gary, and even Brian Burns. Each of one of these players are proven and young star edge rushers. Jones' stats also weren't great in his 2020. So basically talking about that and then, however, Stephen A. Smith voice, however, this season he has for sure turned it around. This season alone, he had over 3,900 total yards, 21 touchdowns. He actually had 22, my man, and just five interceptions. Jones has also looked pretty good in the advanced stat category. This season, his on-target percentage uh, is 81%. That number is higher than guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and even Josh Allen. That's All a true these statement. players are considered top quarterbacks in the league. Now, obviously, I am not stating that Daniel Jones is better than Patrick Mahomes, but I am saying that Daniel Jones has been flying under the radar and is ex- exceeding expectations. Jones has been one of the players who has led the Giants team to a playoff berth, and it will be exciting to see what they can do in the playoffs. Ooh, this was sent a while ago. I haven't checked my office mail in a couple of weeks, Finn. It was exciting. So, Finn, you, I, I really enjoyed this How did letter. this person get your address? I'm assuming, so, when I send out Patreon stickers, I oh. give my office address, because I'm not going to give people my home address. So, I would assume that's how they got it. All right. I'm going to start writing you letters. Yeah, just send it to the office. You can't have my home address. You're going to okay. be in Daytona. You're going to be kind of near me. Do you want to stop by the by the crib? I feel like you're inviting I'll me over. I'll bring you home. Like I, I want you, gonna, I want you, you to light some my, candles. I want Justin to meet my parents. Like, oh, wow. I'll, I'll go to my parents. house. Like, and then after us. I meet your parents, you're going to light some candles. And we're gonna you know, nice we're doing my brother's evening. bachelor party that Friday night at the truck race. So we're we're going to be recording a. A talking giants podcast when your brother's having your bachelor party kind of so we have to get it done a little earlier because it is one of the like three times a year where i drink so okay i right, appreciate you guys see you on uh, next tuesday from no, the you senior should, no, you should have you should have your mr brownstone moment no i refuse to have my mr brownstone <laughs> moment we'll see you on tuesday let's win some races you'll hear me just saying that and laughing to myself we'll see you on tuesday from mobile alabama my favorite place on earth. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big blue.